Good morning. It's good to be with you. My name is Bill Jones. I serve as the chancellor at Columbia International University. Sometimes we are just all talk. It happens to the best of us. Consider my sweet wife and one of my wonderful daughter-in-laws. We were out having a picnic. It was the whole family. It was the four children and their spouses, my sweet wife and I, and we were having a picnic by a pond. And after the picnic, we went on a little walk. And we noticed two black snakes by the water. And it scared my wife, and she was talking to one of the daughter-in-laws, and she said, if those snakes come toward us, you run first, and I'll come behind you. Because we're on a kind of a little steep hill. My sweet daughter-in-law said, no, no, no. Mom, you go first, and I'll come behind you. Well, one of my sons began to mess with the snakes, and they very quickly started slithering toward my wife and my daughter-in-law. And instead of doing what they had talked about, they grabbed the other one and started pulling them behind them so they could get ahead of them. Because they understood if they just got ahead of the other one, they'd be safe. It would be the one behind that would be in danger. They were just all talk. Sometimes we're just all talk spiritually. And there's a passage in scripture about Peter where he was just all talk spiritually. But before we get there, I want us to review where we've been the last few weeks. We had a series on Easter, leading up to Easter. And then after Easter, we began what we call the next 40 days. And in this series, today we come to where Jesus deals with Peter's big talk. And this passage is in John chapter 21, verses 15 through 22. But before we get to that passage, I want us to consider the context. Two very important aspects of the context of this passage will make this passage come alive to us. The first part of the context I want us to understand is the timing of the passage. During Easter, Easter week, Passover week, it's easy to remember the seven days leading up to the resurrection. The Sunday before the resurrection is the triumphal entry. On Monday, Jesus cleanses the temple for the second time. Tuesday, I call Q&A day. Jesus answers four questions put to him by his adversaries and two questions by his disciples. On Wednesday, we don't know this for a fact, but a good case can be made. This is when Judas plotted to betray Jesus. Now we get to Thursday, and this is the, the day I want us to concentrate on. On Thursday, we have the Passover meal, which we know as the Last Supper, and then Jesus leads the 12 to the Garden of Gethsemane. When they get to the garden, Jesus makes this little prophecy. He says, you will all fall away, for as it is written, they will strike down the shepherd and the sheep will be scattered. And then Peter responds, he says, though they all fall away, I will not. And Jesus says, Peter, truly I say to you, before the cock crows twice, this very night, you will deny me three times. And then Peter says, he's just all talk when he says this. Even I have to die with you, I will not deny you. Well, that's Thursday night. We know Friday morning Jesus is crucified, but in between, 
Jesus, uh, Peter does deny Jesus three times. And after the last denial, and these three of these times are recorded in John chapter 18, but when he finishes the last denial, Jesus is walking from one of his trials. He sees Peter, and Peter looks in Jesus' eyes, and Scripture says in Luke, he began to weep bitterly. He's just so heartbroken. Well, Sunday, Jesus rises from the dead, and now we begin this series on the next 40 days. And during these 40 days, Jesus makes at least 10 appearances that are recorded in Scripture. He appears to his disciples 10 times. They know that the tomb is empty. The, the stone has been rolled away. The women go in first and verify the body's gone. Jesus' body is gone. Then Peter and John go in, and they see Peter's, uh, they exclaim, Jesus' body is gone. Well, but he could have been stolen. So how do we know that Jesus was raised from the dead? Well, he appears to them 10 times. In this chart that you see on the screen, it shows the 10 appearances recorded in Scripture. The first five on the very first day, that Sunday, when he rises from the dead. But in the book of John, there are only four recorded appearances. John writes about his appearance to Mary. This is the first day. Then he writes about his appearance three more times, and all these are when he appears to the disciples. First to the 10, Judas is dead, Thomas is missing for some reason. Then it says eight days later, he appears to the 11. All this is the first day. Our passage is somewhere between day 13 and day 38. Now, how do we know that? Because now our passage, John chapter 21, verses 15 through 22, it's, we already found it was eight days he appears to the 11, and it takes them three days at least to walk from Jerusalem up to Galilee. So, at this point, they arrive in Galilee. That night, Peter says, let's go fishing. They go fishing. They don't catch anything. They're rowing back to shore. There's a man on shore. He says, did you catch anything? They say, no, we did not. He says, cast the net on the right-hand side. They catch so many fish, they realize it's Jesus. So Peter puts on his outer garment, dives in the water, swims to Jesus. He has breakfast waiting on them. And now we get to our passage where he's making his appearance to the seven, but he's speaking to Peter about his big talk. Now, so the first thing in the context is timing. The second thing I want us to look at language, linguistically. Now in English, one word can have many meanings. Take the word sick. If you're in your 60s, when you hear the word sick, you think disease. In your 40s, you hear the word sick, you think disgusting. That comedian was disgusting. It was, what he was saying was terrible. In your 20s, you hear the word sick, you think awesome, delightful, wonderful. That movie was sick. So you can understand just speaking the same language, if you're of a different age group, language can be so confusing. But English has another problem. Not only does one word have many meanings, 
but we have a hard time showing the level of degrees of a word. Take the word love. I love chocolate chip cookies. So let's say my love for chocolate chip cookies is right here. Well, I have grandchildren in the house right now, five of them. Well, my love for grandchildren is way up here, way past chocolate chip cookies. My love for my wonderful wife is greater than that. My love for my sons when they were teenagers, well, it was probably sometimes below chocolate chip cookies because they would frustrate me. But what does it mean when we say I love something? I love chocolate chip cookies. Does that mean the same thing as I love God? Well, the Bible was not first written in English. It was first written in Greek. And in Greek, they have, it seems like they have a word for every single thought or event or action. So here are just four Greek words for our word love. And I've put level one, level two, level three, level four to show you how much deeper they describe love than we do in our English language. So level one, they have a word, they have a word for erotic or sensual love. It was eros. So I call that level one. It's just a low kind of love. It's, it's, it's very physically driven. The next word for love, level two, is a friendship love. Uh, it was philia. Think of Philadelphia. It's the city of brotherly love. The third love, storge, is a family love. I may love my friends dearly, but I love my family even more than that. So they have a word for family love. But the greatest love of all, a sacrificial love, the love that God showed us when he had Jesus Christ die on the cross on Friday, um, Easter week. That was agape love. It was a strong, sacrificial, the highest kind of love possible. So now that we understand the timing and we understand the meaning of love from the original language, let's go to our passage. Let's begin with verse 15. And this will make much more sense, verse 15. So when they had finished breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? And Peter said to Jesus, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. And Jesus said to him, tend my lambs. Well, in English, he's just saying, do you love me? Yes, I love you. But in Greek, it's different. Jesus is saying, Peter, do you level for me? Do you level for love me? Do you love me this much that you would sacrifice yourself for me, that you would die for me, that you would give yourself completely for me? And Peter perhaps remembers back to that Thursday night when he said, Lord, even if I have to die for you, I will not fall away. I will not deny you. And so he answers and we don't see this in English, but we see it in the original language. He says, Lord, you know I level two love you. So he, he's not saying, yes, I level four love you. He's saying, I level two love you. Well, look at verse 16. And Jesus said to him a second time, 
He says, Simon, son of John, do you love me? But here again, it's do you level four love me? And Peter says, Lord, you know I level two love you. So they had the exact same conversation. Jesus asked the exact same question. Peter gives him the exact same answer. Jesus says then, shepherd my sheep. Verse 17. So, so what's going through Peter's mind is, Lord, you, you know I love you, but you know, Lord, I, I talk big. When I said I would not deny you, they could all fall away, but I would not. I was talking big, but I didn't back it up because you know I denied you several times. You called it, Lord. You said I would deny you at least three times before the cock cro the crow, the, the rooster crowed twice. Lord, you know, I'm just all talk. Verse 17, and we won't catch this in English, but we catch it in the original language. Verse 17, Jesus said to him the third time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And Peter was grieved because he said to him the third time, not a third time, but the third time. He's not grieved because of the number of times Jesus is asking this, but this third time Jesus switches the word love. But we don't catch this in English. But in the original language, Jesus the third time says, Peter, do you level to love me? And that grieved Peter. And he says, Lord, you know I level to love you. I love you like a friend. Now, I, I don't love you sacrificially. I, I've, I've shown that. It's obvious that I don't. Well, it's almost like Jesus says, well, now that we have that cleared up, verse 18, truly, truly, I say to you, Peter, when you were younger, you used to gird yourself or dress yourself and walk wherever you wished. But when you grow old, you will stretch out your hands and someone else will gird you and bring you where you do not wish to go. Well, what's Jesus meaning by this? Well, it, John, the author of the gospel, he explains now. He says, now Jesus said this signifying what kind of death Peter would glorify God. And when he had spoken this, he said to Peter, follow me. Here's what Jesus is saying. Peter, you level two love me right now. I want you to level four love me. And Peter, you will one day level four love me because one day they're going to ask you to deny me. And this is the Roman government. And Peter, you're going to tell them, no, I am not going to deny him again. You're going to level four love me. And by stretching out his hands, he was showing, he was foretelling, he was prophesying, Peter, you are going to be crucified because of your love for me. In church history, the tradition says that Peter says, I'm not worthy enough to be crucified right side up. So they crucified him upside down. Peter was saying, I want to show how much I love Jesus. I love him so much. My level four love for him is so much that I won't just be crucified right side up. 
you crucify me upside down. Make it as hard and as difficult and as painful as you possibly can. That's how much I love Jesus. And so Jesus is saying to him, Peter, follow me. You follow me and you will grow in your love for me. You will grow from a level two love to a level three love to a level four love. And you will love me with all of your heart, all of your soul, all of your mind and all of your strength. That's how much you're going to love me. Well, let me ask you a question. Are you like Peter? Spiritually, are you just all talk? You come to church and you're in the worship service and you sing as loudly as you can. You go to Sunday school, you go to your small groups, you go to your Bible studies and you answer all the questions correctly. You go to the deacon's meeting and you give wise counsel. But yet you go home and you treat your spouse horribly. You're either nagging your husband or you're belittling your wife. Your teenage children, they act up and you viciously lash out at them. You're not understanding, you're not loving. You go to work, you listen to dirty jokes, you let a string of cuss words come out of your mouth, you exaggerate about the amount of work you got done. You're talking the talk, but not walking the walk. You're just all talk. Well, if that's the case, we can learn a lot from Peter in this passage. Let me give us three steps of action to take. Step number one, we need to get real. Just like Peter, we need to confess to the Lord, Lord, I don't love you the way I need to love you. John chapter 14, just a few chapters earlier, verse 21 says, he who has my commandments and keeps them, he it is that loves me. So we need to get real and say, Lord, I haven't been keeping your commandments. I don't love you level four. I love you level two. Sometimes I feel like it's even less than that. Lord, I confess it. I'm, I'm sorry. I, I feel awful. It was wrong of me to deny you. I want you to know that I love you and I want to grow in that love. So step number one, get real. Be honest. Confess the shortfall. Confess where you fell away. Confess your disobedience. Step number two, this isn't from verses, so step number one is verses 15 through 17. Get real, be honest where you are in your love with the Lord. Step number two, verses 18 and 19. When Jesus said to Peter, follow me, he makes that same invitation to you and me today. He says, follow me. So step number two, once we get real, we need to get up and follow him. We need to recommit ourselves to the Lordship of Jesus Christ. And the longer we follow him, the deeper, or let's say the greater our love for him becomes. It grows from that level two love to a level three love to a level four love. We are falling deeply in love with Jesus Christ because we're following him. We get up and we begin to follow Jesus by recommitting our lives to the Lordship of Jesus Christ. He is number one in our life. We take second place. We commit ourselves to following him. 
And I didn't cover these verses earlier, but step number three is in verses 20 and 21 and 22. This, this reminds me so much of me. When I fall short, when I fall away, I'm pretty good at getting real. And I'll confess my sin and disobedience and say, I'm so sorry, Lord, please forgive me. And I'm pretty good at level, at step number two, in recommitting myself to the Lordship of Christ and, and longing to grow in a deeper, greater love for Jesus Christ. But I am often like Peter after step number two. Let me just read these verses. And Peter, turning around, he saw the disciple whom Jesus loved. This is, we think, John, following them the one who was leaned back on Jesus' bosom at the supper and said, Lord, who is the one who betrays you? So Peter, seeing him, said to Jesus, Lord, and what about this man? And Jesus said to him, if I want him to remain until I come, what is that to you? Peter, you follow me. Step number three. Step number one, we need to get real. Step number two, we need to get up. Step number three, we need to get going. Jesus had just made this wonderful invitation to Peter, follow me. And the first thing he does in verse 20, Peter turning around, instead of fixing his eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of his faith, he, instead of following after Jesus and not putting his eyes anywhere else, the very next thing he does, he turns his back. He turns around. He gets distracted. So step number three, we need to get going. We need to get real. We need to get up. Then we need to get going. We need to put aside every distraction. As, as uh, Hebrews chapter 12 verse 1 says, uh, fixing our eyes on Jesus and, and putting aside the sin which so easily entangles us. So often we are distracted with bad things, granted, but we're also distracted with good things. John was a good thing, but Jesus says, no, don't fix your eyes on the bad things. Don't fix your eyes on the good things. Fix your eyes on the main thing, me. Fix your eyes on me. Get real, get up, get going. Don't be distracted. Brothers and sisters, during this series, we've called the next 40 days. Let's become people of action. Let's get up. Let's, let's get real. Let's get up. Let's get going. And listen, don't, please don't think, well, that's good for you, Bill. That's good for the pastor. But you don't know about me. What if I fall away again? Well, news alert. You will. We all do. It's something we keep doing over and over again. When we mess up, then we get real. Confess it. Just say, Lord, I'm sorry. Please forgive me. Then get up. Start following Jesus. And then keep going. Don't turn around. So during these 40 days, let's be people of action. Let's don't be just all talk. Let's pray together. Father God, thank you so, so very much for, for showing us not just the great things the, the heroes of Scripture did, 
but Lord, for showing us their shortcomings, their, where they fall away, where they mess up, where they disobey, where they, they don't love you like they should love you. Lord, that gives us so much hope because Lord, that's where we find ourselves so oftentimes. But Lord, thank you also in scripture for giving us guidance, showing us where we need to get real and confess our disobedience and where we need to get up and recommit ourselves to following the Lordship of your son, Jesus Christ. And Lord, showing us where we need to get going and, and not turn around and not be distracted and not give in. But Lord, when we do, we can repeat the process all over again. Lord, thank you for being patient with us as we move from being all talk to being all action for your honor and glory. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.